0: Of all of the shit that is piled on nonstop every other day, it's a headline. But there's one person at the center of it. What do you want me to do, Giselle? I don't, no, no, no. I just want you to be happy. I want you to live your best life. I'm, I'm, this is the thing. The world wants to tear us apart, right? And yes, my joy has been taken, but it's not Juan's fault. I, it kind of is. It's, wild, it's wild. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry. Our girls are back. I could not be more excited. We had to early. I've been chomping at the bit to talk about the premiere of Potomac all week. And so this was my first chance to, and I'm going to do it. I'm so excited. It was so good. I love my girls. I love them so much. Is this how people feel when they, when like Orange County or Jersey comes on? Cause I don't feel that, but I do feel things here, and they're good things. They're really good things. Not for, Juan, but, you know, we'll get into that in a second. Anyway, let's talk about Season 8, Episode 1 of Real Housewives of Potomac. We start off, I just gotta say, I think that the editors of Potomac might be some of the luckiest reality television editors in the business, because they just get to have so much fun with this show. It's incredible. We're starting off, it's like dusk in Washington, D.C. We're getting a retrospective of Juan and Robin's last minute wedding by the river, right? And then the headlines about Juan cheating start popping up. Mm -mm -mm. Giselle says that she knows that it's eating Robin up, that everybody's poking holes in her marriage. Karen says, well, Now we really know what's going on beneath the surface. And then the editors do this scary movie effect where we're looking at Juan and Robin's house. And then we kind of like literally go down beneath the surface. And then we come back up and they're doing this scary like red lightning bolts in the sky. Like what is going on? Then we hear audio from that reasonably shady episode where Robin and Giselle have to talk about Juan and that lady from Canada. And, you know, Robin's fighting for her life, being like, oh, yeah, Robin's such an idiot. Like, God bless. Cut to Robin. Another infamous moment. She really took a lick in those two weeks at Watch What Happens Live with Ebony K. Williams while she's like, you know, a young lady comes forward and you know, she's she's got a receipt from a hotel with his name on it. She's reaching out to him. She's telling him, she lost her wallet in the casino, and you know, he feels bad for her. He goes to the hotel, he puts his card down, and that's it. Meanwhile, Ebony's, like, sucking the life out of that straw. There's not a lick of moisture left in that cocktail glass that she's holding. She's looking around. Her eyeball's like, one of those old-school treasure cat clocks? Like, girl, nobody believes you. It's real bad for Robin Dixon. And then Karen says she just wants to believe her husband. I get that. But, whoa, girl, he signed a whole-ass receipt. You just got outed by the Canadian woman, and then five seconds later, you're at the laundromat with the girl that you used to work with. (sighs) So many times. So Giselle says that this is a young lady who used to work for Juan, but it just doesn't look right. And then Ashley says, now there was another picture surfacing of Juan in a nail salon of all places. And we're seeing people getting their nails set, but on the screen it says recreation for illustration purposes only (laughs) as if we don't know what it looks like when people get their nails done Karen says that Robin's on another planet this year but the truth will set you free (laughs) so then finally we go up above the surface and inside Robin's house it's back to normal like we're we're back to the real world and not the stranger things world with the demogorgons she's arranging photos from their wedding putting them into little picture frames or whatever so Juan walks in and Robin starts talking about how this is like the first day that she's felt settled since coming back from their vacation in the Bahamas. It was like back to reality, but reality is kind of a bitch right now. And Juan's like, yeah, it's part of life. Well, with you, it's part of life with you, Juan and everybody associated with you, which is just Robin because it's not, not the, not cop and state is it anyway, but Robin says, that all the noise going on with this girl and the hotel receipt. Juan goes, you know, once again, those stupid and foolish. And so Robin says that they chose to get married. But she wasn't expecting this whole firestorm that came when she finally admitted it on the podcast. Which is like, why? Why would you not expect it when all of last season was about men cheating or sneaky Lincoln or smiling in Eddie's case. And um, why did you not think that that would might be a big deal? How is that possible? But when Robin says that she wasn't expecting the firestorm from the podcast, Juan says, and I told you not to do that, like not to talk about it on the podcast. So then Robin says that everybody, and by everyone, she means us, right? Everybody took that and ran with it. So then Juan's like, well, I was just being nice. And, you know, I've given random homeless people like $20, $50 sometimes before at one point, just as a good deed. And this woman says, you know, she's dating a dude from with the Ravens. She reached out to hint to me about the hotel room. And he says, listen, I know it sounds weird, but that's the truth. And I just like had to put a pause for a second. Clearly, Robin, this is like a two a prong situation. One, this is clearly, like, our rehab wand's image scene. That's very clear. But two, Robin, I think, uses the cameras as a way to, like, address things. But she'll do it like, oh, well, everybody thinks this way. Everybody freaked out about this. I, everybody else. So how do you feel about that, wand? She never tells him I feel this way. It's all, like, under the guise of, you know, like, well, this is what I heard how everybody else feels. You know what I mean? But then Robin says to Juan, my question, though, was like, hey, if you're at a hotel with a woman, you know, it's like, you're already at third base, why don't you just make the home run, right? And Juan goes, did you see her? (laughs) But that was on me, though. I fucked up. Fuck you, Juan. Like, I used to really ride for this man but every like that is all you need to know robin that he fucked her did you see her that's the only excuse that you have you fucked the shit out of her and and that's it that's all i need to hear (laughs) so after juan's like you know that was on me i fucked up robin goes yeah i don't know why and juan just starts rubbing his head which i think is a tell like now we know uh like tom schwartz he'll he'll get to like tap in his leg real quick, and, like, he'll he'll rub his face. Austin's the one who gets to the... No, it's Shep. Shep's the one who gets to the leg tapping. Austin will look to the left. Like, I know too much about these people, but now I know. There are 50, 11 ways in which a man could lie, okay? We know that. And this is turning out to be Juan's tail. It's the rubbing of the head. So I want you guys moving forward when you watch the show. See how often he does it when he's telling a fallacy, allegedly then he says as he rubs his head i'm too friendly i'm too nice now let's just keep stock here from what we've seen from juan on the show like let's just go through juan's um low lights because they're not high telling production season one in the closet that he's only in a relationship with robin because of the boys um he's always too busy to show up for most events on camera or reunions Oftentimes when Robin confronts him about things, he ends up shutting down or just leaving. He had no issue telling Robin that her being in the bed during COVID was not attracted to him and she needs to get her shit together. And then we found out later that that was also around the timeline that he was talking to this Canadian woman. That he was having an an emotional affair. So she was cool, good enough to talk to, but too ugly to fuck? I don't think so. If she was such a non-factor to you, so so platonic, such a little bestie to you, then why didn't you tell Robin about her? If there was, you know, why wouldn't you just be honest about her? Why did she find out, not find out about this woman until you were signing your name on the dotted line for a hotel room? But did you see her? Okay. Robin claims that they've worked through it. And at this point, it's been now like a year and a half. So last year for people to judge her for not saying anything when they were trying to plan a wedding, it's just like, Whatever. Then Robin says in a confessional, that the minute she heard what Candace had to say, because Candace went down to Twitter after all the shit went down and was like, yeah, interesting. You know, Candace used much more flowery language. We all know that, but that's the gist of it. But the reason why Robin says that she was shocked at what Candace had to say is because she was doing quid pro quo because she had been there in support of Chris, right? In support of what? Giselle lied about Chris and you were on the side of truth not on the side of Candace for the hope that maybe she would be on your side in the future that's not how that works sorry babe so Robin tells Juan they don't believe his story and he's like well of course they don't it sounds weird but it's the truth so then Robin says she I know it sounds crazy But the reason that I chose to believe it is that Juan wouldn't make up something so stupid. And 99% of the people who heard that story, Juan, think that you're lying to me. You see what I mean? She's like using us as a way to get her own feelings out. So then he gets to rubbing his head again. He goes, it's okay. But I don't know. It's all good. People are going to think what they want. What does that mean, Juan? (sighs) Robin then goes well, I think it was exacerbated by the laundromat. You called me that morning to say, oh, you guys were going to wash jerseys. And Juan's like, yeah, you know, I get that. Like, if people don't know who that girl is, it's a weird look. But as far as the nail salon, me and that woman work together all the time. And, you know, like, we just kick it together. It's like, yeah, but they don't know the relationship. But then he keeps talking about how beautiful Coach Bree is. She's a beautiful, attractive woman. And Robin goes... Yeah, you know, an attractive woman, an attractive man. Together, people are going to assume things. Now, to clarify, the lady from the nail salon... So, we've now got three situations. We've got um chicken Canada that he signed the hotel room for. Then people... Some woman spotted uh, Juan and random lady at a laundromat. He said that this was somebody who worked for him, and they were just washing the boys' jerseys. And we have this other lady... <laughs> That was spotted at the nail salon. Juan was not. Juan was getting his nails done. The woman was not. She was just like kicking it, sitting next to him. And I also also think it's worth noting that, with the timeline's sake, this woman was a former coworker of his because at this point he had been fired from Copper State. This woman was a current employee of Copper State, so they were hanging out after he got fired. Anyway, so Robin says, you know, what? on top of that, speaking of his job, you lost your job, which is devastating. And Juan's like, it's not devastating. It's hard. Like, I mean, I felt like I love my job, but uh, I guess I didn't win enough basketball games. Like, <laughs> he's acting like he doesn't have any idea of why, how that whole operation works. Like, you've been playing ball all your life. You know how coaches work. And what they're expecting, well, I guess. Like, he has no idea. You have no idea. And it's not devastating to you at all. Okay. So Robin's like, I know, but, you know, I hate the public thinks that you lost your job for another reason. and that There are people who are almost rejoicing that you lost your job because they think you did something wrong. And he goes, oh, they're just miserable. And this is, like, real uh Kim Zolciak. Kim Zolciak. Because the tea, y'all don't know, that the reason they okay let me just be clear they put out in the media that the reason why Juan was fired from Coppin State was as he said that there they had several bad seasons in a row under his uh, tutelage if you will and they were like okay sorry bye flop bitch we're gonna find somebody who actually works but he he also tells Robin you know the reason why we were losing is because we had injuries and things like that like okay for like five seasons but whatever um so then there was a lawsuit that happened with Coppin State where a former basketball player had alleged that the director of the operation or one of the directors of the this basketball program had catfished him and had also um tried to like extort him and blackmail him and like there were nude pictures involved but I think the director maybe have sent the nude pics to The guy, but anyway, the reason why Juan got roped into all of this is because the student reported this to Juan, who was his coach, and Juan was like, damn, that's crazy, and then allegedly, like, didn't do anything. Now, they did, Juan was dismissed from that lawsuit in June, to be clear, but the evidence was not great for him (laughs) at all. But it was dismissed, so we have to respect the court's decision, don't we? So Juan says he doesn't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to give that particular story energy. Like, let's just focus on raising the boys. So that was, like, the last we saw of Juan for this episode. But I just feel like y'all knew that you were going to film the scene. Could you have made this seem a little bit more convincing? If this is a year and a half in the making, y'all had a lot of time. You knew the backlash that came. Mostly on Robin because of this. She really took a big L for you. The least y'all could have done was come up with something that made sense. This made it so much worse for everybody. (sighs) Robin. In the next scene, we have my team, my dream team, Karen, Candace, and Wendy meet up for drinks. So Wendy gets there late and she's like, y'all, am I going to be a Debbie Downer if I just get water? And at the exact same time, Karen says no and Candace goes, yes, yes. So Wendy announces that she gave up alcohol for lunch and then she pulls out a rosary from her purse. Candace says at a confessional, I knew she was Catholic, but I didn't know she carried a rosary on her purse. You could have pulled that out for me all this time. So Wendy is like, yeah, I, you know, I keep that thing on me, right? That's why people keep coming for me, but it bounces off. So Karen asks how things are with them. And, you know, because when they left New York, you know, New York is a code for the reunion. When they left New York, it was a hot mess, right? So Karen says that she's cool with Ashley, she's cool with Giselle. Robin needs to take ownership and they can only get along if people are being honest. But Robin hinted her truth and then used them all as targets so she didn't have to talk about her truth. So Candace is like, what really blew my wig over there? And she actually points over there. <laughs> she's so funny. What really blew my wig over there was that Robin says that she was waiting for Karen to bring it up. When she did say that on Watch What Happens Live, like, oh, I thought, I thought, I don't know, I thought Karen might say something. So Karen says, look, I was just dealing with Juan's domestic things, not international. <laughs> she spent a year telling everybody that they were going to see the true me, but the only liar here is Robin Dixon. If you guys have not seen the exchange between Robin and uh, Karen at Watch uh, BravoCon, excuse me, go watch it. <laughs> the way the Karen just eats Robin up every time it's a master class and she will do this thing it's a cul-de-sac it's a karen cul-de-sac well she'll be she'll be like start off bad be like oh you know we weren't bad but like we weren't through it then she goes but you know what the only person here who's fake is robin and it's like wait you just went from a compliment and how you guys got through your issues but then you're just calling her the fakest bitch (laughs) the fakest bitch on this panel and Robin's like, what do you mean, Karen? You're just a hater. Robin never anticipates it. And it's so funny. So anyway, after Karen says that the only liar here between her and Robin is Robin, a producer asked Wendy in a confessional, do you think that you have been honest the whole time, like with your life and filming? And Wendy's like, yeah, I think I have. But when they ask her, do you think that Karen has... Wendy goes um next question and then she laughs really hard for an uncomfortably long time so we're gonna have to move on (laughs) after that Wendy and Karen say that if Robin would just be honest and say you know we've got an open marriage or whatever like it'd be totally cool but then Candace goes but do we even know if we're married have we seen the license (laughs) speaking of do we even know if they're married let's go over to Ashley Darby's seaside in the city home her Four bedroom, five bathroom, coastal chic house because Lord knows that penthouse that she lived in, Michael, was dark as hell and like Batman's lair. If Batman was like a pervert, right? She's doing stuff in the kitchen talking about how she's like a single mom who works two jobs, she loves her kids and never stops. While her back is turned because she's putting something in the Instapot, uh, Dylan or Dean, which one's the first one? Dean's pulling Dylan up like a reverse Lion King, you know, like when Scar, I don't want to bring this up, you know, I know that's maybe too soon, but you know what Scar did to Mufasa. This was like the opposite. He was pulling him up onto the counter. So now both of these little boys are just on a random kitchen counter and Ashley turns around and goes, oh, did you help him up? Honey. And then Ashley has to talk about how, you know, there's nobody here to help her with the kids. Such a different dynamic. You know except for her nanny daisy but sweetie that's probably about the amount of parenting that you help that you were getting anyway like was michael helping you more than that i don't think it's any different i think you're just in a house now like what kind of my, parenting is michael darby doing at this point can he even bend down
1: hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news
0: by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. something I'm gonna have to think about. <laughs> can can you get your knees on the floor to play with them? Can you? I don't know. So we got the million dollar answer to this question. Are you divorcing that man? That alleged man, Michael Darby. Ashley explains to us, because remember at the reunion, she dropped Probably the most shocking bomb since uh, we found out who was behind that Phaedra and Portia rumor that after all of this, after all of the disparage that we collectively had to go through between Ashley and Michael. And, you know, I'm trying to get the B word out of my vocabulary, but at this point, I have no choice that the bitch didn't even get set up in her prenup with alimony. Dumbass. What was that for? Uh, we were rooting for you, girl. I was remember thinking, season one... Okay. Surely, Ashley has a reason for being with this carbuncle of a man, other than her very obvious daddy issues. And again, if y'all don't know what Ashley's father looks like, please look up a picture of Ashley's father and Michael Darby. Just a side-by-side picture. And it's going to take you a second to n- notice what the difference is but anyway i was thinking all this time okay surely like she's not gonna say it on camera but like this bitch has a plan and then we had that whole storyline about her renegotiating the prenup what the hell was your prenup before this one is so bad i thought you were walking out like city girls up by a thousand no city girls down by probably five million at least So because of this, Ashley's now trapped. She's trapped. Michael's on the lease. She says he's not really seen. He's not been up there. He's barely been, you know, up the stairs a couple times. But she doesn't know what's going to happen until they get divorced. So the reason why she's not really motivated to go through with the divorce is because his name is still on the deed. And, you know, should something happen, he is going to be on the hook to pay for it. Just, like, really unpack that Ashley has gotten herself into a situation in which her only chance at a healthy divorce is to just stay married to this guy until he feels like being nice enough to her to give her what she needs. So, help us all. So, while Ashley has Daisy the nanny there, she goes outside to FaceTime Giselle. Giselle says, I just want to be clear... Um, cause I saw on Instagram, what's going on with you, Michael? Cause I saw that he was just in the Bahamas with you on vacation. And Ashley's like, oh, you know, it's good. We're just there as co-parents, as friends. Like it was totally fine. So Giselle goes, okay, but are you divorced yet? Ashley? No, we're just hashing stuff out, but we do agree on the big things. Like he paid the down payment on the house and he pays child support. So it's not alimony, but it's something, right? So Giselle's like, okay, that's cool. Well, I'm going to invite you over to the house and I'm going to invite Charisse and Robin. And I think we need to have a moment to encourage, I don't want to call her delusional, but maybe just have Robin look at her relationship from a different perspective, right? So Giselle says in a confessional, people don't make it to the other side of what Robin's going through usually. And I've got really concerned for her mental health. So Ashley tells her, yeah, I mean, Robin has a, Robin and I have a history of me having conversations with her and Juan, with Juan, or about Juan rather, that haven't really gone well historically. So I'm not really having the best of expectations for this situation, but she does agree to go. Because one thing about Ashley Darby is she will get in the mess and she'll ask questions. So Ashley asked Giselle, What was Robin's excuse with the nail shop lady? And Giselle said, she said they're just friends and Juan feels sorry for people and befriends them because he's a nice guy. I don't know. (laughs) Her perspective is different from anybody else. So I just want to tell Robin, you look crazy. Then we see Giselle at her house with her man, man friend, as they call him, Jason. Who we really should just call America's man friend or reality TV's man friend because... This is now the fourth reality show that we've seen him on in which he's pursuing a cast member romantically. We have, um, if y'all don't watch Siesta Key on MTV, he was on season one, one or one B. Um, They go to New York, two of them, to like pursue modeling or whatever. And uh, Jason's mating on one of the girls, like immediately. Um, Then we go over to Winter House. Lindsay, Summer House, Lindsay, Winter House, Rachel, no, Real House of the Potomac, Giselle. So, moving on. A producer says at a confessional, so Jason is 16 years younger than you. What are the benefits to dating a younger man? And Giselle goes, Jason's how many years younger than me? And the producer says, 16. And she goes, no one's counting. Mama got to live, you know? Mama's been mama for a long time. But I do, you know, have to think. I I did run up on this hot little tenderloin Jason, or for whatever reason, Jason and I just clicked. And listen, the West Wing is seeing a lot more things than it has seen in a while. He's like making su- seafood, which is his thing. He loves to cook. He's all up in the kitchen whipping in that in a way of pursuing women. So they're doing like rolls and fish, sushi, scallops, or whatever, and they're talking about their schedule, and, oh, you know, I miss you, and you were just in Dubai with the girls for spring break, and this is like you're coming back from Dubai meal, and they're making eyes at each other, and, you know, he's got a knife <laughs> that he brought from New York, I guess. She says that they try to see each other every other week, which is nice because she doesn't like anybody in her face all the time. What do we think about their chemistry, y'all? Because I will say, I do find that Giselle historically is like in the Kenya Moore school of boyfriends in which none of them really make sense to me. I'm not really seeing a whole lot of chemistry. And then they seem to be here one season and gone the next. I will say that it does seem like Giselle has more chemistry than she did with uh, Pastor Jamal, Pastor Holy Whore, or that other, Sherman. Um, I think there was another one in there. But that's all I'm going to say. She's got more chemistry than the other men I've seen her with that I saw she had no or even negative chemistry with. So y'all let me know what you think. Angel comes down. To have dinner with them. But Grace, the oldest daughter, tells us in a confessional with her mom that she met him at a live show for the podcast for Reasonably Shady. And she was really confused because she's like, who is this guy? She cracked me up. Who is this guy following my mom around? And asked Giselle, is that my brother? (laughs) And to be honest, if it was a, a Bryant, the answer to that could have been yes. But we'll move on. So then... They ask Grace what her first impression of Jason was. And Giselle says, listen, Grace is not like a, I'm giving you an A in the beginning. You got to work yourself up to that. And Grace does confirm that he's worked, Jason has worked himself up to an A, minus. And then Giselle asks Jason if she could feed him right in front of Angel. And Angel goes, please don't. There's a child present. (laughs) And then she starts making demands for the food that she would like to see if you're going to continue here. No more sushi, sir. No more scallops. I'm, I'm breakfast, brownies, waffles, pancakes. Thank you. Get on it. I'm going to need something in the morning, sir. You're going to be here. Thank you. <laughs> then we go over to Mia, who's now living in an apartment. She is down t- 10% of the square footage that she had in that Potomac house. that was so stupid that they got that house in Potomac the, their second season to keep up appearances she was paying what $10,000 a month to rent and they put like $30,000 worth of renovations into that house that they weren't owning I don't even think they were renting to own why would you do that <laughs> even if y'all weren't getting uh uh like just shut out of your chiropractic businesses like all willy-nilly that. seems like a very dumb decision very stupid there is something very special about a second season housewife who's like okay i landed my second season contract i'm gonna be here forever and then they just start the the money just like gone there's no doubt in my mind that gordon and mia went all in financially to continue to be on this show like i think her entire season two check probably went towards that short-term rental that they had to move out of, embarrassingly. So they're now in this apartment, which is nice. It's like a nice apartment, but I guess it's in, I think they in North Bethesda. I don't really know, uh, you know, the DMVT in terms of location, but I felt like the fact that they specified felt like a read. So no disrespect to those who live there. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know, you know how shady they get. So y'all, y'all let me know. So Gordon says that he's like taking this whole situation to court and he's looking for something around $500,000. Now, granted, I don't have this kind of money, you know, to quote Karen, you got to make millions owe millions, right? But to me, 500k, if that's what you're looking for, are you also looking for them to pay court fees? Because once you get into all of that lawyer stuff, that 500k is going to go down real quick. And I don't know if it's worth all the litigation and the, and the, all that. You know what I mean? Have we heard Gordon's family side of all of this? Cause I don't know. Like, have they said what their damage is with him I, and Mia, frankly, because Mia says they started with the joint back in 2013. Gordon was voted out for reasons that she still isn't sure of. And now she's no longer the marketing director for the company. So Gordon says it does not make any sense why they would vote him out. And basically the revenue dropped for the company immediately after he was gone. Like it was so stupid. But Mia's like, okay, well, we need to find a way to replace this income. I'm going to make sure we're going to get it back. And then some. Gordon says, you know, like, it was good for us to bounce back quickly, you know, from the whoa is me kind of stuff. But Mia tells on him and is like, uh, you were on the couch for two months. And he's like, yeah. And there were times where you got angry and she's like, mm-hmm, I sure did. I would pop off on you. And then he says, Mia, just admit it. Do you think this is my fault? Even though I did my own sweep and you know, you were hearing about an audit. I did my own sweep. Everything was fine. But you kept asking me and Mia's like, yeah, because I have to protect myself too. So then she starts talking about <laughs> classic Mia, the health changes that she's making. Like You know, maybe we're down in this point, but I'm trying to work on myself and you have you noticed that I haven't been drinking? And Gordon goes, Oh, I no, I didn't know that you were doing that. So Mia goes, Gordon, you remember we were at the beach and you asked if I wanted a cocktail and I said, I'm not drinking, remember? And Gordon says, Yes, but then you took a glass of wine and you said I would have that, which is still drinking. It's like the same alcohol content as a beer. Or something like that. It's like wasn't really any different. I mean, it's like yeah, that's true. <laughs> but then she says in a confessional that she cut out hard liquor because it's like mind and mood altering, and she just likes herself better. And then Mia tries to pretend like the last time she had a cocktail was last season when she told Karen at the end that she heard about Karen getting her back blown out at a club somewhere. Remember that lie that Sharice tried to tell? And it wasn't you uh slinging a drink and, and getting into a fight with Wendy. You weren't embarrassed about that. You were embarrassed about spreading a rumor that nobody believes. Okay. So Mia's like, you know, I we're, she says that she and uh Karen are not like in the best place, so maybe that they should communicate. Maybe she should reach out to her and ask Gordon, but what should I say? Sorry for calling you a hoe? Courtney goes I don't think you should say that and she goes what should I say like like it's my bad for calling you a ho 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 (laughs) yeah Mia see how that goes after that we hang out with Chris and Candace. they're doing a little picnic at the park even though immediately Candace was like it's too dusty in here and I don't like the bugs (laughs) there's too many bugs here Candace says that last year was the most challenging year for her and Chris and their marriage, but they're still able to have fun and, like, not harp on their drama. She's back on tour, but she's about to go on another leg of her tour. She tells us that the budget is increasing. Thank God for that budget that her label has, but a lot of that funding goes to the artist, and then she reveals that she probably spent, she was in the hole about six figures on her last tour. Made no money. Negative money. But now she's about to go out and spend even more money on a bigger tour. Costumes, hair, wigs, makeup, highlights, chicken cutlets, boob tape, titties, all the things. So Chris is trying to help her and be like, well, do you need like dancers and stuff? And Candace is like, well, I'm not Alanis Morissette or Jewel where it's just like I'm doing acoustic guitar and everybody's swaying back and forth. And Chris looks at her in her maxi flower dress and goes, well, the way you're just today, date kind of seems like you are. <laughs> gotcha. Then he tells her, um, or, she, or rather she says that she and Karen have like all these opinions on Robin and she just doesn't understand why it's okay for Robin to go along with these lies about him when she's got a real scandal happening with her own husband. And then Candace says in a confessional, I acknowledge that Robin was supportive. I do. But where it gets muddy for me is seeing her in situations where she's not so passionate. Like when Robin's dumbass said the most ironic thing that she could have said to, to Candace, oh, you know, it probably wasn't a good look. Can we all agree that it's not a good look for a man to be in a hotel with a single woman? Can we all agree about that? Don't ask me if Juan's done it. Y'all don't know that yet. But can we all agree that this is a bad idea for you, Candace? And this isn't going to be a slap in the face for me later. Can we agree? It's just like there were a lot of things that maybe Robin could have said about the situation. But the specificity about a married man being in a hotel with a single woman being the only thing that you brought up.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more
0: So then Candace says to Chris, I honestly wonder at this point if Robin was only supporting me and Chris to avoid bringing up what was going on with her. Chris makes a face but then he tells her like we don't know the extent I think to Candace and Robin's actual in real life relationship because Chris says, listen, it seems like things have been piling up for you guys but there's still time to fix it. Like don't worry about it. I've definitely heard Candace say in interviews that she and Robin are like truly good friends but I just can't I mean my memory's poor and I watch way too many shows to keep a log of everything but I just can't remember seeing Robin and Candace really pop off on camera as friends like Robin's always been the Robin to Giselle's Batman then we head back to Giselle's house and Charisse is there Y'all know my theory that last season, because, you know, Charisse was put on pause before she got to come back last season. And if you look at her wardrobe, my theory is that she, Charisse had a closet and she had a section for whatever was going to be her next season of Potomac. And that didn't happen. So she just been sitting on these clothes <laughs> this whole time. Like that, those clothes would have been really cute and on trend whatever season would have been next for you. Not, not now, but I think we might be improving. Like we're still five years ago. Make no mistake. Like I'm not understanding the old Navy V-neck tucked into your uh, Dolce and Gabbana skirt, but whatever. I think we might be on the second half of 2018 because last season we were in the first half. So next season, I'm hoping, really I'm hoping that Giselle's not, or that Charisse isn't there at all. But if, If we could, maybe we could at least bump up to, like, 2021. So Giselle's having them meet in the backyard, like, the back porch. But there's just a pavement path that winds down to get there. But Ashley's wearing heels, so she has to walk backwards. Because it's too scary, it's too steep to walk down. It's, like, truly, like, the pavement's not helping anything. (laughs) Ashley says in a confessional... Something is always broken. Something always needs paving. Something's always under construction at the Hotel Giselle. When is the completion date? Because if I break an ankle or a toe, we're in trouble. So now it's Charisse, Ashley, and Giselle. And they're gathered, like, talking strategy. Like, they're about to plan an intervention on their girl. So Giselle goes, listen, we've all been in similar situations. But I feel like Robin might be a little delusional about what's going on in her life right now. When I saw that nail salon picture, I went off and I told Robin, but she doesn't care. And she said that maybe she's just like numb to it or something. So Ashley goes, yeah, I think this is Robin's normal now. And Giselle goes, yeah, how terrible is that? <laughs> so Charisse goes, you know, a lot of people live like that. While Robin is trying to surf down the path herself to not break her own heel. They're just talking about how like, basically, we're too old to be doing this. Like, is she in denial or is she in delusion? What's going on here, Robin? And once Robin sits down, Giselle tells her that she's a special guest. And Robin's like, why? You just told me to come over. So Giselle says, well, the three of us love you 100%. So what we're doing is like some tough love. Let me just start by saying that I talk to these two because they also love you. And we're just here to support you as it relates to Juan. So this is just an opportunity to talk. Robin's looking at all of them crazy at this point and goes, uh, go ahead. <laughs> so Charisse is like, oh, I don't have anything to say right now. <laughs> not, not, not me. I'm out. Not it. So Ashley then has to go and she goes, listen, when the story came out about the hotel, I messaged you. You remember that night? I messaged you and I told you that was ludicrous. But as more things started coming out, there started to be some things that sounded fishier and I wasn't sure if you were being honest with me or even with yourself. And then... When the nail salon photo came out, I got upset for you because I've been in that position where you have to defend your relationship and it's not a comfortable place to be in. So Robin goes, let me explain some things, Ashley. Brianna's worked on Juan's staff for three years, so that's not a new relationship to me. The laundromat story is a straight lie. And that's the thing that's unfortunate is that people are out there just putting out blatant lies like they were hugged up at the washer because that didn't happen. So then she goes, you know, although Juan was not smart in communicating with a female in Canada. Robin, stop calling women females. He wasn't smart in communicating with the female in Canada. He wasn't dumb enough to be anywhere in public being affectionate and physical with another woman. So Giselle looks at her like, girl, what? And then Ashley goes, okay, for me though, Robin... I think you're maybe putting two different situations together. I feel like Canada was different than the Coach Bree situation. And as far as Bree, it was more than that. It was like, it was sensitive timing. You were, he was already coming off of that Canada rumor. And so Juan probably should have operated better in these streets, right? So Robin says, well, yeah. I mean, when Robin, when Juan called me and told me that he was going to the salon with Bree, I warned him. I warned him the block was hot. And he was just like, whatever. Am I supposed to sit in my house? And all of them are like, yeah, Robin. Because he fucked up with the hotel situation. So Giselle goes, he's not thinking about how this is going to affect you. And Robin goes, what do you want me to do? Yell and scream and throw a shoe at him? Like, oh my god, how could he do that? Is that what you want me to do? I'm not going to tell him to end his friendship. And he can't do certain things that were fine before. At this point, I don't care. So Cherise tries to speak up at this point and tells her that they're just trying to talk about her finding her happiness and joy and asks her, are you good? So Robin's like, my joy's been stolen because of all this shit's piled up every other day. There's a headline. So then Giselle says, but there's one person at the center of it. And Robin goes, what do you want me to do, Giselle? And Giselle says, I just want you to be happy. So Robin goes, this is the thing. The world wants to tear us apart, right? And yes, my joy has been taken, but it's not Juan's fault. And Giselle goes, but it kind of is. Like, Juan was at the nail salon. Juan was at the laundromat. Juan was at the hotel. Just bring it on. Just bring it. She's got her, just flailing her arms there. Just bring it on. I don't give a fuck anymore. Bring it on, Giselle. Giselle goes, Carl, you don't have to act like this is not bothering you. The world's coming after you as it relates to Juan, And Robin goes, I don't give a fuck. Pile it on. You already stole my joy. Just keep beating me up. So then Giselle asks, do you you feel like we have your back right now? And Robin's like, All this has been a pile on. All of this has been a pile on. This is cruel. So then Cherise tells her, okay, take the world out of the equation, okay? Take everybody's opinion and all the piles and, and the stealing of the joy the thieves of joy he shouldn't be running around like this robin and so then robin goes so if brianna was big and fat and ugly would you guys care and giselle goes i would yeah and Sharice goes um Charisse, my ex had some boogers there are people i never thought he would have put that thing in and he did okay and then she says that she went through years years of that man Being in various relationships with women. And then she starts to get emotional. And she says, I think my heart just hurts because seeing you like this kind of opens up a wound for me. And I'm not saying our situations are the same. But it feels like it. And I gave him a thousand passes. And I didn't want to accept it. And after all of that, he just walked out the door. And I don't want that for you. So then Robin goes, "Are you saying I'm in denial? And Sharice goes... I don't know. I don't know what to say. But if you want to go back to the girl in Canada, yes, I I do kind of feel like that vibe. Yeah. Like just watching you on on that show out in New York, I was like, oh my God, like it just made my heart bleed for you. (laughs) So then (laughs) I don't know if I judge you. I don't know if it feels weird, but yes, it, it does. It absolutely does. And so then Ashley picks up the wheel and is like, listen, you know, in that barn, you know, before the wine glasses were thrown a couple years ago between Monique and Candace, I was making a lot of excuses for, uh, Michael. And she was, and there was a flashback where she was like the girl that, uh, hit on Michael and that Michael took the bait as if it was some sort of like sexual siren and how Michael just happened to fall asleep with his pants off in the hotel room bed. Okay. So Ashley tells Robin that she feels like This is a Protect Robin campaign, excuse me, a Protect Juan campaign. And Robin goes, no, it's not. And the woman in Canada, that story's crazy, but Juan would not make up a crazy story. He would actually make up a better story. So now all three of them are having to look at her like, girl, come on. (laughs) We're trying to help you. We're throwing the softest of balls here, girl. He would, it would actually make up a better story than that. And then Giselle has to remind her, but Juan was still communicating with her, even after the hotel thing. So Robin goes, yeah, that's a problem. He should not have communicated with her. So Sharice goes, okay, but are you holding him accountable for that? We dealt with it, so no. And then she says that when she found out, she told Juan to get the fuck out, and Giselle goes, but did he actually leave when you told him that? And she goes, No. No, I'm just like, like, I just said it. Like, just words, you know. So then Giselle goes, okay. But if you found another hotel receipt, would you actually leave? Robin, yes. You know, high pitch when people lie. Yeah. Yes. Wrong. So then Giselle goes, but would you? Because I have a feeling like there's not anything that Juan could do that would make you be like, you know what? You need to go. Because some women just turn a blind line. Like they just want it to work. And Ashley goes, yeah, especially the second time around. Uh-oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> then Giselle goes, but in all of that, you lose yourself. And you know my story. The woman that he was sleeping with very much told me. So for me, it was like, I can't live this life. But now I'm a grown woman where I'm always going to put me first because I didn't for so long. And I don't want you to ever lose sight of you. And I remember when you got divorced. I know the woman you were then and you're a different woman and I just want to make sure that you and Juan are protecting that woman because I think she can get beat down. So Giselle says in a confessional that Juan makes up these crazy unbelievable stories so that Robin can then say it's so crazy it's gotta be true and I think Robin just believes whatever Juan tells her like I don't believe it but it doesn't matter it only matters what Robin believes at this point. And then they get Ashley's perspective and she says, I can tell her until she's blue in the face, but if she doesn't believe it, that's all that matters. And then Cherise says, I know what goes on in those hell hotels. So pff, yeah, not buying it. So then Cherise tells Robin that she's being defensive and Robin goes, I'm not, I'm just saying that, you know, you're saying things like you want me to hear you. Say, you want me to say, fuck Juan. I can't believe he did that. And so Ashley and Sharice are like, we actually don't really need you to hear that. But Giselle jo- goes, I'm actually okay with you saying that. Because that's a fuck one moment. For sure. <laughs> and Robin goes, okay, well, that was three weeks ago. What do you want me to do? To still be mad? it will just be <laughs> three weeks. Three weeks ago. And this is the third situation. And the last one was less than a month ago. Yeah. We still want you to be mad. Because you know that in the lead up to those three weeks, you're about to go to your job. Because you're the only one that has one at this point. Cause man's such a loser. He can't keep a job. And then you're going to have to sit here looking like a dumbass. Honey baked ham. Defending him. And he's spending your money. Spending your gas money. Going down to the hotel to sign receipts for other women. Going down to get his nails buffed and giggling in people's faces. Going down to the laundromat, all on your dime with other women. None of them were you. So, let's think about that. So, at the end, Robin tells these ladies, I appreciate the hard truths, but we're going to live our lives. And Giselle tells Robin fine. And then she says in a confessional, Robin lives life according to Juan, but we're very close and I've been feeling her pain. And I think one day it's going to bubble up and she's going to explode. We'll see y'all. We'll see. Oh Lord. Help her. <laughs> Free her. Free the homie. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking.